Michael Waits Media, telling Asia's stories. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today should be a great one, actually. Today I'm joined by Taku Tanaka, a co-founder and the CEO of Camario. I hope I got that right. Taku, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm very good, and thank you very much for having me today. It is my pleasure. Just so our listeners can get a little bit of context, can you give me some of your background? Sure. So my name is Taku. I'm the uh, CEO and co-founder of uh, Kameleo. So uh, basically, I'm Japanese. I was born in Japan, grew up in Japan, studied in Japan, a little bit of study abroad in the U.S. And uh, also like after the graduation for university in Japan, uh, I was uh, joining the, the investment bank, uh, working there for like three years. And then after that, I moved to uh, Vietnam and I ended up staying, with, staying in Vietnam almost like seven years right now. So let's back up for a second. Where exactly in Japan are you from? Actually, I was born in Shizuoka, which is uh, like uh, Fuji, Mount Fuji located in there. Were yeah. you born in Shizuoka City? I was in Shizuoka City, but uh, after a while, I moved to Tokyo. So uh, most of my time, the the grew up in Tokyo. Yeah. Got it. Okay, I, I grew up in Tokyo as well. We can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. And where did you study abroad in the United States? Uh, I was in Seattle. Okay. Oh, so what was the reason why you decided to study abroad for a while? Yes, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, when I was pretty much like a junior high and a high, I was uh, thinking like, you no, know, like, uh, because I was interested in pretty much everything. I want to learn many things. I want to know many things. So, you no, know, speaking in English is one of the way to uh, get in a more information from many various people with a bit various different backgrounds, right? So I think right. like uh, the study abroad is a very uh, natural thing I was hoping to. So I was uh, kind of lucky to uh, get opportunity to do uh, something like you no know, exchange program, whatever. So I was in uh, the one year of the program in uh, the University of Washington, Seattle. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. You and I apparently have lived like a completely life in reverse because I did my study abroad at Deutsche University in Kyoto. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> first time I went to U.S., no, I never, I, I, I couldn't speak English, to be honest, no, like, so right. I was, it was, it was kind of crazy uh, hard time, but I mean, like, uh, housing is always important for the growing yourself too, right? So Absolutely. I think it's a good yeah. Do you have a memory of when you realized, I can now speak English? Do you know what I mean? You know mm -hmm. that feeling where it just changes and you're like, I got it. Right. So actually, uh, when I was in uh, university, I still don't feel like I can speak English, right? right. I. I I can speak a bit, but it's not really the perfect, right? right. Uh, to be honest, like a lecture by the professor, I understand maybe 50%. <laughs> so I waste my 50% of like nutrition, whatever, right? So <laughs> but after I joined the investment banks, right? So I joined the Credit Suisse and uh, one of the, the investment bank in Japan, which is a foreign, yep. but um, actually they are more foreign than the other company in Japan at that time. So, which means that most of the people is a foreigner. Yep. Even the, the branches in Japan, right? So the, all the meetings and the, the conversation uh, for the working is all English. If I don't speak English, actually, uh, I will be uh, get fired, right? Because <laughs> it's a pretty much apple out uh, the culture of the investment bank. So Very much uh, so. I was uh, trying my best. I think uh, otherwise I, I get fired. So um, then I think after after like one year, as I work in the investment bank, I, I feel like I'm really confident to speak in English. Awesome. 
And what yeah. department were you in? What, what group are you in at, uh, at Credit Suisse? So I was in equity, equity sales. So the basically, uh, I was, uh, uh, looking at the, all the uh, equity, uh, equity market, uh, stock market in the APAC, especially in Japan, right? Yep. So that's uh, pretty much uh, what I did uh, for three years in the Credit Suisse. Awesome. So we've crisscrossed, we've crisscrossed for sure. I used to run the portfolio trading business at, at Citigroup. <laughs> I also worked at Goldman Sachs. Before, I, I trading a lot of stock and like whatever is the assets, right? But yeah. right now, I'm pretty much all in in my company. Yeah, same here. So I want to ask you this too. Do you feel like there's a specific type of personality that is almost predetermined to be able to succeed in building your own company? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty much depends, right? Like, you know, like all the founder is a different characteristic, which I, I, I meet. Right. But right. I think, the, um, I don't know. One of the things I feel is important is, um, most of uh, my friends doing an entrepreneur is they have an ability to believe in yourself. Right. right. I mean, like if you don't believe in yourself, right, you cannot have strong vision to lead the team and let the, all the team member to believe in you. So first thing I feel, of course, not like a market size and whatever is important, but I think that one of the things I feel important is the ability to believe in yourself. So did you work in the F&B industry before you started Camario? Uh, right. So that's a bit long, long story. Since I was in the childhood, right, uh, right. like uh, maybe junior high, um, I uh, realized, no, I'm interested in F&B. I want to do restaurant business in the future. I want to open my own restaurant, right? Because maybe my family uh, go out a lot for eating. So I enjoy eating a lot outside. And also uh, many of our, uh, my family members in uh, F&B supply chain and food. So I'm really uh, close to our food F&B industry in my life. Yeah. So I wanted to open my own restaurant. So, uh, but I mean... When I was in the university and studied abroad, uh, I realized, you no, know, I need to understand a bit more about business and finance and whatever, so that uh, we can succeed uh, in the future. Um, that's why I choose the investment bank as a fast career to join. I mean, like in the investment bank is offer a uh, kind of good salary. Uh, so which kind is um, for me to our little arm money and then, then open up a restaurant with that money, right? Right. Um, that's how I started to interested in like uh, FMB business and then started to uh, work in an uh, investment bank. And then while I was in the investment bank, uh, so as I say, you know, I look at the, all the stock market every single day. And uh, in Japan stock market, there's a lot of companies listed in stock market is FMB business, like a restaurant chain list business, right? I just need naturally, right? No, okay. I, I talk to our, my customer, like a portfolio manager and whatever. Hey, let's uh, do interview with this company. Maybe interesting, right? <laughs> and then like uh, we, uh, because you know, I'm the salesman. I cannot go to the, the meet uh, the, this the company by myself. So I need to bring the, my customer, right? I love it. So I go together with my uh, client and meet a lot of C-level uh, people in listing stock market, uh, F&B business, right? Yep. And then uh, I started to learn a lot about uh, good things and bad things about uh, F&B business in Japan. And uh, one of the things I, I, I realized about uh, F&B business in Japan is market itself is kind of saturating, right? Yep. Yeah. So the population is already saturating yep. and uh, everyone already eat meat and uh, the drink and stuff. So they are more going to healthy side and whatever. So market itself is not really uh, attractive anymore. Uh, and then a lot of big players. So small player like me uh, making a big company that may be a bit tough. And then I saw that time, no, okay, maybe our 
the uh, country it's growing is maybe more interesting to do FMB business. And then I started to do uh, research a bit about developing country, right? Yep. Then I realized, let's say GDP is growing a lot. Actually, when the GDP is growing at the moment, actually the FMB market is growing more than the GDP growth. One of the reasons is pretty much you know, like uh, most of the people, uh, they used to uh, cook and uh, eat at home because they don't have much money. But after they having more money, basically they started to go out to enjoy eating and then drinking and uh, eat more meat. And then that's contribute to the higher growth of FMB market, right? And then I see our, the Vietnamese are one of the great example for FMB market is expanding really fast. Like uh, before COVID-19, pretty much uh, uh, more than 10% growth annually, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. And then, yeah, so that's uh, more and more I, I got interested into the, the FMB market in developing country. Yeah. Did you work at a chain or whatever in Vietnam before you started Camario, or did you just go to Vietnam and start it up right away? Right. So when I was in the investment market, I just uh, started research about uh, the market, right? And then uh, luckily I found out uh, one blog article by the founder of uh, Pizza for Peace, uh, which is uh, one of the most successful uh, restaurant chain at the moment uh, in Vietnam. Uh, but at that time, back in like uh, early 2015, they only have one store in a small alley in Ho Chi Minh City. Pretty much a uh, family home, uh, but the founder was ex-IT uh, and then the VC guy. So I feel like, you know, maybe it's a potential. Yep. So I just sent a cold email. Hey, I'm in the finance guy and maybe I, uh, I'm interested in the, the, the F&B business in Vietnam and maybe uh, I can help you guys to build a business, expand a business. And then... He say basically like, okay, okay, maybe uh, come to Vietnam, we can talk, right? And then like uh, I took uh, a few leaves and then like uh, I fly to uh, Vietnam back in like uh, 2014, right? And that was actually the first time I go to Vietnam. Nice. And then I talk and then I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, like uh, the city is so energetic, like people are so energetic, everyone is smiling. So everyone believing like tomorrow is better than today. Right. That's been happening in Japan, right? Um, and then like, uh, the business itself, uh, the pizza for peace, uh, a lot of people, the, and then I think it's very potential, uh, at that time, only one very small store owned by family, but, uh, I think it's potential. So I decided to leave, uh, Great Swiss and then join for peace. Like after, uh, I had a conversation with the founder. Did your colleagues think you were crazy? Do you know what I mean? When you said, yeah, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to go join a pizza, a small shop in a small alley. In Ho Chi Minh City, that makes pizza for peace. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people say uh, I'm not uh, I'm not natural. <laughs> it's weird, <laughs> but I think for me it's very natural because actually uh, at that time at that time no basically uh, I just want to follow what I want to do, and then if I want to take a risk, it's better when I I'm still relatively young. Yep. Right. Because uh, after we, I have been like some, like something like family and whatever still can, but uh, it's a bit more tough to take a risk. Right. Absolutely. So maybe that time I was like uh, 24 years old or whatever, but I feel like it's one of the last chance to try whatever crazy stuff. Maybe some people are, uh, talk to me, uh, are you crazy? But, uh, I'm the, I'm just, uh, following the, my, uh, feeling. And then actually I just decide and talk to my my friends and uh, my family right so actually i didn't uh, discuss about it i decide already and right. i talk so that's fine yeah i feel like just based on the information you've given today that every step along the way even when you were younger 
had like a real purpose with some kind of future in mind. I want to go to the United States because if I want to be in the business world, I need to speak English better. Mm. I want to go work at Credit Suisse because if I want to have my own F&B business, I need to save some money and Credit Suisse mm. pays very well. But it'll also help me improve my English and understand finance. Mm. And if I want to learn about the F&B business, I want to go to a place where there's growth and you do some research and then go to Vietnam and then find somebody who has one shop and I presume you've grown that business, which is interesting. But then now you know the ins and outs mm. of the F&B business. And that allows you then to identify sort of the gaps that are in there, which must have led you to say, I got it now. Now I want to start Camario. Mm. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. I mean, like, uh, it's pretty much connecting dots, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I did in a big way. I'm doing like uh, the current uh, Camario business in Vietnam, to be honest, right? So... Yes, but I think our, every moment of my experience is important and uh, it's necessary for me to start Camrail. So, yeah. So what were the gaps that you did see? When you started working at the Pizza for Peace, how many shops were there when you started? You said one. And when you left, how many shops were there? When I left, uh, they have around 12. 12, okay. And now they have uh, like 30. <laughs> wow, it's just so much bigger. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we are one of the few company uh, which uh, raise capital from venture capital and private equity. So we expand to uh, like uh, Ho Chi Minh, Hanoi, Da Nang, Chan, Haiphong, uh, a lot of cities uh, in Vietnam. And now uh, recently they are up in Cambodia too. That's awesome. Good for you. So what were the gaps that you identified and then how does Camario trying to fill those gaps? Right. When I was in the Four Peace, uh, I was a chief operating officer, so okay. I was doing pretty much everything related to business side, right? Yep. So one of the things uh, I was uh, mainly in charge was purchasing and sourcing. And unlike Japan, still the supply chain of Vietnam is kind of fragmented, right? So if uh, I'm in Japan, there is a really big uh, distributor and wholesaler under big conglomerate called Shosha. Yep. And they supply everything pretty much, right? Yep. So I yeah, don't yeah. need to talk to like a lot of people, buy this, buy this, right? I can just talk to one guy, I want to buy this, 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 and they just deliver it to me. Right. So it's pretty much uh, easy. And then like for the vegetables as well, right? There is a government-backed organization called Nokio yep. uh, in Japan. So they do pretty much all the trading and the pricing or whatever for vegetable in Japan. So there is nothing worry about supply chain in Japan when I open restaurant. However, when I started to work in restaurant business in Vietnam, I realized uh, it's different. Most of supply chain consists of small family business. And there is a lot of uh, layer of dealer from the uh, production area until the consumption area. And then the, each family doesn't sell everything, right? For sure. Right. So one family is selling chicken, one family is selling vegetable, one family is selling oil, whatever, right? Yep. So it tends to have a lot of supplier, even for one small restaurant, right? It makes a lot of cost about managing suppliers and managing people. And since they are, they are pretty much a family business, if I say good way, they are flexible kind of, but right. they are not that professional in terms of like a on-time delivery or what I order, I order 100, but they deliver only to 90. So-called fulfillment rate is not so high, right? And also price is uh, kind of unclear. Uh, I, I need to ask every time what is the price and then they answer me, right? right. So until I, buy, I ask, I don't know the price to buy. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so it's not transparency as well, right? 
and then price changing every day, right? So there is a lot of uh, hustle uh, working with a bunch of suppliers, right? So, so I realized there is a potential. We can make it much better. And then like at that time, actually our initial purpose for me is actually I want to open my own restaurant. Right. However, after I start working in the restaurant, I, I still want to open my own restaurant in the future. But uh, for short term, for now, I think there is a much more bigger things to solve in F&B market in Vietnam, uh, which is a more better supply chain. So I started to talk to uh, the few people in F&B. Hey, I'm, I'm going to aggregate a volume, right? I'm, you buy how much, what, what, what. And I, I try to aggregate volume because we, if we don't have volume, I cannot buy from the farmers and producer directly because they need the volume, right? Yep. Uh, so I tried to uh, aggregate volume and talking to the, the, the producer and I started uh, the, this uh, kind of B2B e-commerce supply chain business. It almost feels like you're trying to rebuild the trading company business in Japan. Like you mentioned Shosha almost in passing. Yep. And I think that for people that aren't familiar with the way the Japanese supply chain markets work, they don't know like Mitsubishi, Mitsui, Tochu, Sumitomo, all these companies that have built massive trading companies, some yep. of the biggest companies in Japan. I always wondered why nobody replicated that model in another country. And it almost sounds like you're trying to build a trading company, a Shosha. Mm in the Vietnamese supply chain, at least starting with F&B. Is yep. that fair? Right, yeah. So actually, uh, I think the, the F&B market and the modern retail is very new in Vietnam, yeah. right? I think that is already available in Japan, like back in 30 years ago already. More, but yeah. That's uh, one of the reasons. So uh, I think it's a very natural move from the changing to like web market to the modern trade. And then the, uh, as the, the uh, economy is going up, uh, people having more money and to solve that demand with having more FMB stores uh, uh, coming up and having more FMB stores, there has to be a more professional type of uh, the supply chain company uh, evolve. Yep. So I think it's a pretty natural, uh, like company like us uh, try to uh, try to uh, start to make it more the better supply chain even in Vietnam, and I think it's happening in uh, everywhere in South Southeast Asia and developing country. I, I guess. I think you're probably right. And are you building technology on both sides of this marketplace? In other words, do you give technology to the suppliers as well as to the people that are buying the products? Do you know what I mean? So that the suppliers can better manage it in the same way you said before it was like ninety, a hundred kind of somewhere in the middle there. I don't know what my price is. Are you building tech on both sides that's kind of data enhanced so that everybody can get better data, better pricing, better farming, all the things that go along with having better data? Yeah, so uh, at the moment, we started to focus on the buyer side because if we, there is no demand, sure, even though we get supply, nothing, right? Yep. So uh, since the, we, are, we were still uh, early stage startup and still we are early stage startup, uh, we were focusing on the tech side of customer side, right? Which is demand side, right? So customer can pricing all the easy, uh, checking all the data, checking the, all the status and whatever is right price, and then photo and whatever is right. Uh, that was the first focus we did, and uh, currently uh, we are focusing on our operation system as a backend, right? So because yeah. basically our body proportion for the customer is clearly a simple, basically that we need to give the competitive price stable price and also we deliver on time and we deliver what they order to me right 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 that is very important and a one-stop platform right so basically our to achieve our good operation 
which is on time and fulfillment, uh, we need a strong system because as I mentioned, Vietnam doesn't have so many chain, uh, chain restaurants. Everyone is SME. Means uh, maybe the average of the value cannot be so high, but we're gonna have many customers. We need to deliver with the quality of operation, and to make sure the operation quality, uh, we need to be strong in the system. Uh, manage how we manage the fulfillment, how we manage the inventory, how we manage the customer delivery. Right, that is not really visible from the outside, to be honest. Right, but. I think that's going to be visible for customer as the data, as a number, as a KPI, right? Yeah, that's actually the the current uh, focus. And later, uh, we might expanding the the kind of the tech capability for the supplier side. But uh, still, we have a lot of things to uh, to do for the our operation side. And will you build your own logistics business as well, or are you relying on 3PL to do your delivery for you? Right. Uh, so actually, uh, we do have our own customer delivery team, and uh, we have uh, our own warehouse. So we pretty much have all the customer uh, delivery capability by ourselves. We, are, of course, know uh, to be uh, kind of flexible for the growth. Uh, we also are, uh, are using uh, some of the side of party for uh, some some chunk of the our delivery, but right. uh, mainly uh, we deliver it by ourselves. So it's like a vertically integrated supply chain, supply trading business. I, I love the fact you focus on demand first. You will focus on the supply side. The amount of data you're going to get is just going to be insane. And there's a there's a pathway actually to having a much much well just a very large business. Because at some point you can understand trends, so what's popular, what's not popular, and then actually come up with your own restaurants as well to feed into that system. There's a yeah. lot of stuff you can do here. Do you see, and I know it's maybe a little bit further down the track, but do you see similar problems in other countries to get solved, like in Thailand, yeah. like in the Philippines, and is expansion in on the roadmap at some point? I mean, I know there's a lot to do in Vietnam first, but are you thinking about it? Yeah, so I think our each country has different business dynamics. So uh, depends on country, to be honest. For sure. Because Vietnam is one of the the country which has a lot of SME. Yeah. Right. Thailand is a more conglomerate, right? Philippines also more conglomerate. Fair enough. Like all of big conglomerate having many many business units, right? Yeah. Uh, but still, maybe still, I think there is still chance for that. Well. So I mean, uh, I need to understand a bit more about other market, but I think the the given the the pretty much the similar stage of country GDP growth, and basically the late late of SME, if there is some similarity about it, uh, I think uh, there is a potential for uh, doing a sim- similar business in another country in the region. And as you get more suppliers, more farmers, and just more merchants, so both sides of the market on your platform. Are there other services that you can monetize that you can offer them like payments, accounting, in particular mm. insurance, which we can talk about in more detail, in a way similar to what Bukukas is doing in Indonesia, where there are, what, like 60 million SMEs? Right. So I think uh, a lot of players eventually talk about fintech in Southeast Asia. Right. Because uh, pretty much they cannot charge monthly fee as a SaaS, whatever. So basically, uh, we are kind of same because uh, we are eventually having a lot of data of selling and buying, right? Right. Basically, it's pretty natural to think about how we can utilize the data, yeah. right? So one of the ways is pretty much about lending. For lending, example, for sure. Right? Yep. 
for the farmers, uh, we have data of their sales and actually we are buying from them. So pretty much we know what the cash flow for them for coming few months. So, and then like a uh, farmer's uh, needs uh, working capital because uh, they have to buy soil, fertilizers and whatever. And after that, uh, they harvest, right? Yep. And then the cash. So they have a uh, two, three months for them to grow in the vegetable and harvest. Right now, they are pretty much trying to keep money or talking to family to borrow money, right? So I think that's potential. We can help the farmers for working capital yeah. or better farming even, right? So that's uh, one of the things makes uh, the farmer life better. So that's uh, really interested. And for the merchant side as well, like uh, restaurant people, um, in Vietnam, it's pretty difficult to lend them, borrow money from the, the bank, bank, which yeah. is weird. Because uh, Vietnamese bank is very traditional. Uh, they need a collateral for the, all the people to borrow money. However, restaurant is usually they lend location and open a restaurant. So they don't have any physical asset as a collateral. Yeah, so I think are again the same, right? We kind of know about uh, the health of restaurant business, how they're doing, they pay on time, whatever is right. So that kind of data is, I think, uh, we can work together with the bank and the financial institution to lend the money. We already started to talk to the few finance company to uh, prepare that additional service for our merchant as well. And have you considered insurance? Not necessarily health insurance, but all of these businesses, right, because they're connected to your system, have to be connected to the internet. And it mm. occurs to me that if their internet goes down, their business goes down. Yeah. So have you considered sort of internet outage insurance as well? I think the insurance coverage rate in Vietnam is very low. It is very low. Even yeah, other uh, Southeast Asia. So I think it's not as priority as lending. But I think our, in the future, uh, that's also potential in the future, I guess, yeah. Lots of possibilities. Okay, recently, this is the last thing I'll ask you, but recently you announced a Series A, so congratulations, a decent amount of money as well, and some from some very good investors, right? Quest Ventures, Genesia Ventures, so Tajima-san, the former cyber agent ventures guy. What was it yeah. like raising money? A good guy, by the way, a really good guy. What was it like raising money during this pandemic? And then yeah. what are you going to do with it? What's, what's your idea for growth? So actually, uh, raising money is always... Uh, one of the difficult things to do mm. as founder, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, especially in the pandemic and especially like us, we are kind of negatively impacted about, by uh, the COVID-19 for right. FB business. Yep. Uh, but I mean, important is I think we need to be honest about it, like uh, not to make up whatever number and stuff, right? Yep. So yep. we can say, uh, of course, no, it's a bad impact. No, we already know. But uh, how are we going to try to react about current situation, right? And maybe uh, we don't know what's going to happen in a few years, uh, whatever. So we have to have always uh, from ABC and stuff. And that's uh, everything that we can answer. Honestly, I'm, I'm not sure for everyone, but I think that some investor can know this guy honest or not, right? Correct. <laughs> because, I mean, most of the, I think a startup, uh, even the founders, uh, they cannot know what's going to happen. Actually, right? right? No way. So, but I mean, at least uh, honesty is important. Very. Because now we had a the long-term relationship, right? Right. Uh, with the investor, right? So like maybe a few years or maybe 10 years, right? Right. Uh, so that's important. And we're just uh, sharing how they are, this market is potential. And uh, 
why now and why we are the possibility to be the biggest right and then maybe our the participating investor they agree with it and uh, we are I think, lucky enough to our grow the land of this lise yeah yeah good for you congratulations man Thank you. Okay, I will let you go. This was a really insightful and very interesting conversation for me. Taku Tanaka, co-founder and the CEO of Camario. Thank you so much for doing this today, man. Thank you very much for having time. Happy meeting.